time to arise from your slumber. It's time to get up, get going, and do what God has commissioned and called you to do. Our key text this morning is actually in Nehemiah. That's where we are, Nehemiah chapter 2. I'm going to ask you to turn there in your Bibles. The focus is really on verse 19 and 20, but we're going to read from verse 10 to verse 20. So that's Nehemiah chapter 2 from verse 10 to 20. As usual, we stand for the reading of God's word. And so I'm going to ask you, once you have found out to just jump to your feet, let us read God's word together. We reverence God's word. We reverence God's name. His word is living. It is powerful. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. What I like about... Um, listen, uh, the, the world is kind of not our example, right? The world is not our example. But, but I see people go to these concerts and parties to waste a lot of time, waste a lot of money, waste a lot of energy. And they will stand for six and eight hours. It's kind of amazing how they operate in those places. But somehow, even when those same persons come to church, they can't do that. You, you realize? They're not our example, but I think, I don't know if you know this, but there's a time when the people used to gather in the temple in the Old Testament, when they used to read the scriptures, that they would go like, for most of the days, just standing and reading God's word. And just by reading it, without teaching from it, the word had an impact. And we're going to see the impact of the word by its reading this morning. So come on, lift your Bibles up and declare with me that this is God's word. Not Pastor Omar's word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today... I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are opened. And I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Remain standing as I read for you. So it says, verse 10 says, uh, but when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite officially heard of my arrival, they were very displeased that someone had come to help the people of Israel. All right? I could stop and preach right there because there are many times in life, the moment help is coming your way, there are some people who get upset. As long as you stay how you are, they are okay. The moment you begin to make progress, they are unhappy. They, they find all kind of... In other words, you are okay as long as you are below them. But don't try to get above them. Alright? The scripture says, So I arrived in Jerusalem three days later. I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. Love this part. It said, I had not told anyone about the plans... God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. I could stop and preach there. Sometimes when God tells you things, don't tell anybody. It's not everybody need to know everything. I'm, 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 I'm telling you. When God is telling you stuff sometimes, he's talking to you. I always tell people, because a lot of us, every time God tells you something, you're going to tell somebody. The other thing we must be 
we must do is that if God tells you to come and tell pastor something, you have to wait, and, wait until the time. Because God may give you a word for me, but if you deliver the word prematurely, it may destroy me. So you not only need to hear what God wants to tell you to tell someone else, you need to know when God wants you to tell them. Joseph is an example of that. I'm not even preaching this. This is just good stuff. Joseph got a word for his brother. It was a word he just told him in the wrong time. And he suffered because of it. So be careful when you say what God has told you to say. Alright? Moving right along. That's not what we're preaching on, right? So he told no one. Right? He just slipped out. He said, we took no pack animal with us except the donkey I was riding. In other words, they didn't take anything with them. After dark, after dark, I went through the valley gate past the jackal's well and over to the dung gate to inspect the broken walls and burned gates. Then I went to the fountain gate and to the king's pool. But my donkey couldn't get through the rubble. There was such debris and garbage. The walls had been broken down that the donkey couldn't pass through. Alright? So though it was still dark, and this is in the night, he didn't know where he was going, couldn't see, alright, except the donkey couldn't pass through. Though it was night, I went up the Kidron Valley, instead inspecting the wall before I turned back and entered again at the valley gate. The city officials did not know what I had been, that I had been out there or what I was doing, for I had not yet said anything to anyone about my plans. You notice he said, yet? So there's a time that you're talking. You have to know the time, all right? He said, I had not yet spoken to the Jewish leaders, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or anyone else in the administration. The next verse says, but no, come on, say that with me. But no. So when the time came, he said, but no, I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Unless your walls are rebuilt, you're going to live in disgrace. The walls of your life must be rebuilt. The broken down things must be rebuilt. You may not know it, but it's a disgrace. You ever hear Jamaicans say you're broke down? Being broke down is not a good thing. When a car breaks down on the road, it's not pretty. People pass you and say, sell a battery. Sell a car and buy a battery, man. You know what I mean? It, it, right? So broken down things lies in disgrace until they are rebuilt. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, Yes, let's rebuild the wall so they began the good work. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of our plan, they scoffed contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king? They asked. I replied, The God of heaven will help us succeed. Come on, lift your hand and say that this morning. Say, The God of heaven will help me succeed. 
People may laugh. May, they may think you're ridiculous. They think it's nonsense. They think you're wasting your time. But the God of heaven sees things differently. And he has success as part of your life's plan. It goes on and says, We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall. But you have no share, legal right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. Don't, in other words, don't let the ungodly tell you not to do what is godly. You, you realize that's what he's saying? He's saying that, who are you to tell us anything? You don't have no share in this. This is, this is us and this is for us. This is a God thing. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thine word is truth. We thank you that the God of heaven will give us success. Spirit of the living God, open every eye this morning to see your truth. And open every ear to hear your voice. Open every mind to understand your word and every heart to receive what you have in store. Lord, we want to be more than mere hearers of your word. We want to be doers also. But above all else, Spirit of the living God, we pray that salvation will come to your house. We pray that someone will return to you if they have walked away. Let your will be done and let your kingdom come as we give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. This, this is powerful. Like I said, we could stop and pause and speak from different areas. But Nehemiah at this time was burdened with the broken walls around Jerusalem. The circumstances were beyond Nehemiah's capacity. Nehemiah felt like this is too much for me. This is too big for me. And that is the kind of dream you want to have. You want to have the kind of dream, the kind of burden that, that, that is too big for you. If it's too big for you, then you need God. If it is what you can do, you don't really need God. So I think Nehemiah, as bad as it seemed, he was in a good place because now it is time for God to express and show forth his glory because this was bigger than Nehemiah. He, he didn't have enough in him to do what needed to be done. So what he did is what we ought to do. He prayed and he fasted. And God changed the mind of the Babylonian king as Nehemiah prayed and fasted who then sent Nehemiah to Jerusalem and he sent Nehemiah with all the resources needed to rebuild the walls. So I don't know what burden you are sitting here with, but I believe this morning that the God of Nehemiah, he's also your God. He's our God. And if God could do it for Nehemiah, I put it to you that God can do it for you. God is not dead. He's the same Yesterday, today, and forevermore. He did it then, he will do it again. In fact, he's going to shower his favor upon you in this season. I know you don't believe that. I know, well, Pastor, I said, I'm not saying that because I want anything from you. I'm saying this because I believe that you are in a season right now that if you are obedient to God, you will experience God's favor. In fact, what seemed impossible for you, what seemed difficult, is going to be made simple because God is about to open doors for you. And when God opens a door, no man 
can shut it. That's a good thing. Listen, I want God to be my key. That opens the door. Because any door God opens and sends me through. No demon, no devil, no duppy, no person can shut that door. He is the final authority and he has the final say. So Nehemiah and his people started rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem. They had the funds and the resources they needed. God was with them. And the work of the wall started. And there was great enthusiasm. Have you ever been there people of God? Where you started something. You just got saved. And everybody you meet up with. You're preaching. Everybody you reach, meet up with. You want to pray for them. And them get tired of you. Because you're just full of gospel. You have gospel in your nose. In your ears. In your eyes. In your hands. In your feet. And just Jesus. Jesus. I mean you go in your house. All your shirt have Jesus on it. Every, in your car you put up it for cross, not crosses. You understand me? But, but you just, I mean, you just have it going on. You're on fire for Jesus. You started all good. I mean, most of us would say, really, that's how it was, Pastor, in the beginning. You don't miss anything at church. People start to say, so everything I keep at church, you have to be there. You know what I'm talking about. But soon, there arose opposition to the building of the wall. You know what is so funny? Anytime you're about to do something good and something for God, opposition turn up. You ever wonder like, why, why, why me never serve God, me never have them problem. As soon as me decide to start go church, they fire me. As soon as I start to go church, the car start to be a problem. What God what, 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 what God go on with it? It's the same thing that was happening. The moment, all these years, the wall was broken down. Total rubbish. The moment that they got back to Jerusalem to rebuild it, all of a sudden, we're not wasting no time. In other words, as long as you remain in the garbage, people are okay. They were okay with the garbage. But when you're about to turn the garbage into gold, people have problems. Opposition came. But in verse 19, when they came, Nehemiah answered, What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king? So when you do something, there will always be people to oppose you. There will always be people to put your dreams down, to talk against you, and to mock you. The people who were building the walls were soon discouraged. I suppose some probably went back home. Some were sitting on the ground. Everyone is now discouraged and their enthusiasm is gone. That's what the, the pandemic did. A lot of people got discouraged and the enthusiasm for God seemed to be gone. For many of us, it has been a year of battles. Maybe you're still going through a battle right now. It has been a year of struggles. Maybe you're going through some struggle right now. Your faith has been tested. Or your faith is being tested. Your plans have not materialized. Or your plans are not materializing. Now you're tired. And you've really lost your enthusiasm. Church don't make any sense. And Bible reading. And, uh, that's how you feel. And, 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 and you know you're not supposed to feel that way. But that's just how you feel. 
The people know that the walls needed to be rebuilt. But they got discouraged by the opposition. This morning God is saying to you. It is not time to be discouraged. It is time to wake up. Because God is about to do a new thing. I want you to know that there, if there is opposition. It doesn't mean that God's plan will not materialize. It doesn't mean that God's plan will not come to pass. If people are against you. That doesn't mean that God's word will not come to pass. God's word will come to pass no matter what opposition you face. In fact, if winter is too cold, that does not mean that summer is not coming. In fact, you know that when it is very cold and you get some sunlight, the sun feels even warmer because of how cold it is. In other words, don't don't discount summer coming because winter is too cold. It doesn't stop it. In other words, in as much as you have opposition, believe that God, plans will still come to pass. See what Nehemiah said to his enemies. Nehemiah answered them and said, the God of heaven will give us success. You're coming against us. You think this is not going to work. You're mocking us, but the God of heaven will give us success. With his servants, We, his servants, will start rebuilding. Or we will arise and build. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. The solution Nehemiah found to overcome his situation was to arise and build. So come on, tell the person beside you, say to them, it is time to arise and build. It's time. I I don't know what difficulty you're facing. I don't know where you were defeated by the enemy. That does not mean that you will not achieve God's promises. I know it may not look good right now, but God is still good. It may feel like everything is destroyed, but walls can still be rebuilt. Everything may be broken down, but it can be restored. You may be knocked down, but you're not knocked out. God is still on your side. The good thing, God is fighting for you and he is the official in the ring. He's not going to let it get to 10 count. It may get to 9 and 3 quarter. And God is going to say the fight still go on. Because if God be for us, then who can be against us? So no matter what, don't take that to mean God will not achieve his promises. He will not fulfill his promises. So arise and build because you're God's chosen. And God is on your side and you have the promise to succeed. You see, God has already given us the victory, but we need to arise and build. God had already promised that a time was going to come when the wall was going to be rebuilt. It looked like defeat, but God had a promise. I want to know this. Listen, the promise prevails even in the midst of trouble. When you start the journey, the promise prevails. If you're dropping a pothole, the promise still prevails. If you're in the middle, the promise still prevails. No matter what, God's word must come to Hallelujah. So God's destiny will surely come to pass. Nothing can stop God's plan for your life. I know it don't feel that way, I seem that way. But God is still able. So the relationship that did not work out, the business plan that may have failed, 
the loved one that went away did not stop God's plan for you. I know in the pandemic, maybe you, you lost some money. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe the relationship didn't work out. That doesn't mean that God's plan didn't work. Or God's plan isn't working. I love how God's work, right? Here's how God works. All things work together for good. So what happened in the pandemic? Maybe the baby father gone. All things work together for good. Maybe the job gone. All things work together for good. Maybe you have to change location. All things work together for good. Maybe some relationship change. All things work together for good. Maybe you had a new business that you started and it just never worked out because of the pandemic. All things work together for good. That's the way God works. And sometimes what God does is that you're going on this path and God says, listen, alright, you're really supposed to get here. But if I bring you to the fullness of the promise before you are fully mature, the promise is going to kill you. So God delays you to prepare you, but he's not denying you the promise. Let me say that again. Sometimes you are, you are close to the promise, but God realizes that you are not prepared to live in the promise. The promise will actually destroy you. That is why you don't get the money yet, you know. Because God knows if you get the money, what you really want, when I feel, you, nobody will see you again. You're running, gone afar. You're not even about to deal with church. So God says, all right, the money not going to move, we're going to stay right here. But here's what now. I'm going to have to prepare you to live in the promise the way you are living in your preparation. So I'm going to take some more time to prepare you. So he delays you and say, alright, right here you're going. Alright, go on over the chair here first. So he takes you here and he takes you here and he takes you here just to get you right here. You know how I know that's what happened with Israel when they were coming out of Egypt. He could have gotten them in there in a very short time but it took them years to get there because the people were still hard in their hearts and they had the Egyptian ways and the Egyptian ways couldn't work in the promised land. Our Egyptian ways need to get out of us so we can live in the promise. I hope somebody gets in this this morning because, listen, don't, don't take your delay as God's denial. Because God is still going to bring you into the promise. It's just that God is preparing you for the promise that he has in store for you. That is why Joseph could not become the leader yet. He had to go in the pit. He had to go into the prison before he became the prime minister. Amen? So, if you arise and build, I believe what was difficult for you in the past is going to be easy in the future. The same place you saw defeat, you are going to begin to taste victory. So the question is, are you going to get stuck because of your setbacks or are you going to arise and move forward? You remember a few years ago, I did this message called How to Unstuck Your Life. Because there are people who, they have setback and they get stuck in their setback. They had one bad relationship and God have marriage for them. Oh, can't marriage you at all, boy, man. They are stuck in their setback. They went to school and, and, you know, something happened and they never got the degree and they get stuck in the disappointment. 
Many people are stuck in their setback because the pandemic set back a lot of things. So many people are stuck. So part of this message is to unstuck you. Turn to the person beside you and say you need to get unstuck. You know what I mean? God had you on a path before. The, and all of a sudden the pandemic come and everything paused. Everything stopped. And you're still at the stop sign. Though God has moved on. The light has turned to green. And you're still stopped. At the stoplight. And something is going to run into your back. It's time to move and go with the green. Amen? So how do we do that? What do we need to do to arise and build? To get unstuck. To move forward. The first thing is that we need to arise to our call. Arise to our call is very simple. God has called you to something bigger than you're living right now. There's a bigger purpose and call in your life than coming to church and sitting down. There's a bigger call in your life than having children and having a house and a car. There's a bigger call in your life than having a degree, a PhD. There's a bigger call in your life than having billions or millions in the bank. There's a bigger call. There's a thing that God has called you to, which is your purpose, which is the reason you exist here on earth. It is the reason why you come to church, and church is not it. It's the reason why you worship God, but worshiping God is not just it. It is the reason why you read your Bible, but reading your Bible is not it. There's something that God has purposed you for. That is what he has called you to do. Maybe it's serving in ministry, doing a particular thing. And you know what? Many of us were doing that. I'm going to show you how it works. Watch this. We have a higher calling. It cannot be that God saved us to be like the world. It, what the world aspires to get is the good job, good family, lots of money. God didn't save you and I so we can have good jobs alone good money, and good family. There must be more. So there is a higher calling. So we need to arise to the heights that God has called us. And the things that he has called us to do and what he has called us to be. In fact, the greater the calling, it is the greater the opposition you're going to face. So right now, if you're not facing any opposition, maybe you're not walking in any calling. Because there is not a person who desires to follow God who don't come under opposition. Who somebody is not trying to stop them. Trying to fight them. That's some devil, some demon not trying to oppose what is happening. But the greater the call, the greater the opposition. So if you're under much fight, it means that there's a big call in your life. So instead of getting upset, why, why, a bit them things that happen to me. Crosses after crosses. Listen, listen, it means that, listen, there's a big purpose on your life. There's a big promise on your life. The things that have the greatest value go through the most difficult process. You, you don't believe me? What stories impact you the most? What stories make you cry when you read them or you watch them on movies or in movies? The stories that there's such pain and devastation and disappointment and you go wow how did they make it out of that so when you see major opposition on your life know that there's great purpose on your life as well because the devil ain't gonna give you any trouble if you ain't doing a thing so you need to arise above your problems for there's a great calling that God has in your life Jonah called, God called Jonah in, in Jonah 1, chapter 2. 
And he says, Arise! Go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for the wickedness has come up before me. For their wickedness has come up before me. So God says to Jonah, Arise! God gave Jonah a calling and asked him to arise to this call. Yes, he got up, but he could not rise above the limitations of his mind. Jonah mind said, listen, them people don't deserve this. When God calls you, you have to go beyond human thinking and live in the realm that God operates in the spirit. So he couldn't go beyond the limitation of the, his mind. So he took a ship to a different city. When the ship was met with storm, and the people were praying. And they were throwing off luggage for survival. You know what Jonah was doing? Well, who remember the story? What was Jonah doing in the ship? Talk. You have to talk. You have to talk loud. What was Jonah doing? How did the verse start? What is the first verse in the word? Word in the verse. So he was told to arise. But when problem came, what was Jonah doing? That sounds like the church. God says, arise to your call. And the storm of COVID came. You know what the church is doing? Everybody is being affected by COVID. But God gave us a message. And we have fallen asleep. Because the truth is, either you're advanced, either you advance to your call, or you backslide and go away from your call. There is no in-between. It's either you're doing it, or you're retreating from it. There's no in-between. And so today, God is saying that many of you have come down from your calling. And you are in spiritual slumber. So his word to you is rise to your call. And begin to do what God has called you to. Return to the first love. Return to the first thing. Finally, the captain of the ship saw Jonah and asked him to arise and pray. So we know the story. Jonah was finally thrown into the sea. Couldn't bother. You if you don't do your call, that's what going to happen to you. You're going to get thrown overboard. Because you don't serve no purpose. If you're not doing what God has called you to do, instead of offering salvation, you're going to be thrown in the sea. So Jonah is thrown into the sea. And Jonah repented. Basically said, God, I'm sorry. I'm ready to do what you want me to do. And God allowed this great creature to, to throw up Jonah on the dry land. And if you go to Jonah 2, chapter 2, the first word that God speaks to Jonah is arise. God again says to him, second time, arise and go to Nineveh, great city, proclaim to, the pro proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. Do you know that God's calling didn't change though Jonah disobeyed? See how the promise of God worked? God wanted Jonah to go to Nineveh. He disobeyed God. God's calling never changed. Jonah repented. Listen, maybe you started out the call, but you fell asleep. God is saying, repent. 
because the call is still on your life. Maybe you've gone away from it. God is saying, listen, just repent like Jonah because the call is still on your life. So this time Jonah listened to the Lord and God used him mightily in that city. God is giving us a second chance this morning, a second call to arise. Arise from the st- arise for the standards I've called you to. Maybe some of you here, you have been ministering unto God. You are very active, but now you are hurt. People have put you down. Maybe you have been rejected by the church. God is reaching out to you. Because this is a season of come back to ministry. Come back to serving. Come back to the call. Come back to what God has purposed you to do. There's a time you used to sing, you used to dance, you used to serve, you used to evangelize. But COVID came and everything changed. Something happened, some disappointment, some relationship, some person said something to you. Somebody offended you. Somebody just shot bad about you. And here's the thing, everything just got put down in the rubble, in the garbage of life and then all you're doing you keep standing in the rubble and God is saying it's time to rebuild it's time to arise get past that because as long as you're not rebuilding you're living in the rubble because the walls are broken down so if we want to arise to our call we need to be willing to put off put off things that weigh us down What are the things that are weighing us down? What are the things that are weighing you down? This morning I said, I don't know. I mean, let me see who in here is very fast. Because I can run under 10 seconds. Yep. Yeah, I've run under 10 seconds. And I know some of you don't believe that. But I've actually run under 10 seconds. Um, yeah. I'm an athlete. I'm very athletic, right? Don't, don't get all crazy. It's in the 10 meters, right? So it's not the 100. So... So I'm not lying. <laughs> so don't look shocked like, oh, don't tell any lies in church. Under 10 seconds, in under 10 meters. That's me right now. But any one of you, I challenge you, if you think you're faster than me, there's a way that I can beat you. All I have to do is to let you take all of these equipment, sound equipment, and if you have them, and we're in a race, I'm going to beat you. I'm going to win you, Right? Not because I'm faster than you, but because the weight that you're carrying is slowing you down. I want you to hear me. I'm not beating you because I'm faster. You are way faster than me, but you have so much weight that you can't move at your full speed. What happened is that God has a call on your life, but you can't do it and maximize your potential because you're carrying with you too many things you ought not to be carrying. And so God is saying to us this morning, get rid of those things. In fact, in Ephesians 5 verse 14, it says, wake up sleeper. Come on, put the person beside you and say, wake up sleeper. It says, rise from the dead, then Christ will shine on you. In other words, if you remain asleep, you're not going to do what he has called you to do. One of the things though is that our sin Hinder us from our progress. Sins are one of the things that just, they just weigh us down because sin is heavy load. That is why Jonah had to repent. Now the the, the typology in the scripture is that as they were throwing things off the ship, 
It was for the purpose of the ship to survive in a storm. If you want to survive in the storm, there are some things you need to throw away. Amen? You have to get rid of the excess. It's in the Bible. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that what? Hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. If you don't get rid of the things that hinder and the sin that so easily entangle, you will not be able to run with perseverance the race that is marked out for you. The scripture goes on and says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. In fact, in Romans 6, 11 to 14, Paul the apostle says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. In other words, I, I cannot respond to sin. I'm dead to it. Sin doesn't entice me. That's what Paul is saying. He says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness. But rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you're under, not under the law. But under grace. Have to be dead to sin. If you are going to fulfill what God has called you to. You are going to have to get rid of the, the things that hinders. And the sin that so easily entangled. Secondly, how do I, how do I uh, uh, walk out this calling? Right? We, we need to arise by faith. We need to arise to our call. We need to arise by faith. If you want to arise to the level that God has for you stop looking in the natural and look by faith stop looking in the natural you can't you won't be able to see the full plan of God you won't be able to see the end if you were able to see the end from the beginning you would be God and he would not we have to walk by faith and not by sight I'm going to tell you how this works because this is what the church needs to get over. We want to know how it's going to work before we start the work. We, we, we want to know. Alright, let, let me give you a simple example. If you knew exactly what was going to happen with your money when you give offering and tithe. And you know exactly when God is going to give you it back and how much God is going to give you. When he's going to give you back, if it got the exact date and God kind of said you, your money returned, Kalinda, like you'd, you'd give easily. I'm telling you, if you knew exactly how the marriage is going to work out, that the guy is going to be the most faithful person in the entire world, he will wash, he will cook, he will clean, he will take care of you. 
Um, you do, he, will, he will get the, all the nice stuff every, every year. You have three months vacation, three months of work, and six months of doing nothing else. You understand me? Like you say, okay, all right, I can get married. <laughs> right, right? If you really saw and knew how everything would have panned out, you'd, you'd do it. Life would be easy. Right? right? All right. That is the problem with the church. If that happens, half the Bible would be inaccurate. In other words, trust could no longer be in the Bible. Because you don't need to trust. The point I'm making is that if you're going to do this, you have to stop thinking about how it's going to work out and start doing the work. All Nehemiah set out to do, or set out to do, sorry, was to build the wall. He didn't know what the completion would look like, but he did it block by block. That's what we have to do. Follow me. How, how do I know this, right? You remember a guy called Abraham and one called Lot? God prospered both of them on their journey to the promised land. They were so prosperous. Halfway through the journey, it came to such a point that their, 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 that their land could not support um, their cattle. So Abraham and Lot had so much cattle because of God's prosperity on them that they couldn't stay in the same space. Abraham decided to part ways with Lot. Lot looked in the natural. He looked up and he saw the beautiful Jordan Valley. Literally, the Jordan Valley was a paradise. It was the just like the Garden of Eden. It's just like a guy looking and he looks in the church and he said, Why? Hey, the girl, she a good. I mean, nice, look a pretty brownie. Watch her, man. She work a big bank and she a big position. She have a lot of money. Look on her car, man. He's a lady like that. Watch her. She sing, man. Her voice, nice. Listen, oh my God, man. Beautiful. Look how she keep her here, man. That, that's what lots are. Giving it because you, you, you can't really relate to the whole land thing, you know. You, you, we better relate to the, the female thing. So, so, so that's how the men say. Well, I mean, I tell you, hey, I mean, I mean, they have all, all the descriptive, all the adjectives that they use to describe them. Beautiful lady. And I mean, they, she, she, she come to the church, fellowship, and she brings some rice and peas and some courage. She come and say, oh my God, man, look how she cook, man. Hey, me I tell you, hey, this lady are the perfect lady. A boss lady, this. That's lot. That's lot right there. Right? That, that's lot. Right? Everything. The, the, it, it, Right? So literally the Jordan was a paradise. It was just like the garden of the Lord. The valleys were good for irrigation. Beautiful grass. One did not have to live in, in faith in such a place as, as water was abundant and nature was blessed. So he never needed any faith. So, so um, a lot of people want a well done husband and a well done wife. They want finished product. Nobody wants to work on the product anymore when it comes to marriage, you know. They only want to wait until other people work on the product. And then say, listen, that is the product I want. You did the work, me take the product. Lot looked and said, well, everything, Chris, everything concrete. He goes over there. No faith needed. Abraham was left with the second choice. Girl can't cook here, man. She don't really sing so good. You, you try to tell her, say, you know what I try to sing? You join prayer ministry because singing is not your thing. You understand me? Just a little ordinary job and thing, you know? You know, every now and then, she do her here. You understand me? Herself. You know, she put on her own 
nails and well she don't put on nails what they call it nail polish nail polish yes 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 and i mean she always wear on black and white and communion she don't really have a lot of clothes to change you understand me so she wear a black and white and communion though she don't serve in ministry you understand she still wear black and white because it's a black skirt but she have whole up a blouse so she just wear a black skirt and she keep changing her blouse then yeah 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 that that's that's abram right there That, that requires faith. So Abraham was left with the second choice. He dwelt in Canaan. He probably felt betrayed. The best place had been taken by his nephew. But here's what God said to Abraham. In Genesis 13, 14 to 17. The Lord spoke to Abraham after Lot had left him. Listen, the best thing that can happen to you is some people leave out of your life. <laughs> Listen, that's the best thing that could happen to you. They take leave of absent with no return. So Lot left. And the Lord said, look up from where you are. Look both north and south. Look east and west. Says, I will give you all of the land that you see. I will give it to you. And your children after you forever. I will make your children like the dust of the earth. Can dust be counted? If it can, then your children can be counted. Go, walk through the land. See how long and wide it is. I am giving it to you. God told Abraham to arise and look up. Abraham could see. All Abraham could see is some barren land. No sign of a child. But God is telling him to arise and look by faith. God is saying that, listen, Abraham, don't worry about Lot. Don't worry about Lot. Walk by faith because God has greater for you than Lot could ever have accomplished or received. You know what Lot lost his? You realize that Lot, Lot lost what Lot got? You know the story, right? Because Abraham, Abraham had to rescue Lot. You remember that? So what Lot got, he lost. Do you know that today Abraham's seed still live on the land? That Abraham got. Today, come on, come on, somebody who knows the Bible. You know that today Abraham's seed is still living on the land. That's what happened when we walk by. Anybody have a car? If you have a car, just put your hand up. You know your wit. Come on now. No, no, sorry. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right, do you have a windshield? You car have a windshield? And it has a rear view mirror. Alright, for those of you who don't know, the rear, the rear view mirror is the mirror that is not the, it's not the, the mirror on the outside of the car. It is the one. Alright. Alright. So you know the purpose of the windshield, right? What is the purpose of the windshield? To shield the wind. <laughs> anyway, it's called a wind shield. Shield the wind. Alright. What's the purpose of the rear view mirror? To see the... All right, there you go, there you go, there you go. All right, so do you realize that the windshield is large and the rear view mirror is small? The reason that the windshield is so large and the rear view mirror is so small is because what happened in your past is not really as important as what is in your future. In other words, 
If you look in your rear view mirror, you're going to crash. Because you keep looking behind. What you need to do is to look through your... Look to your future. So where you are going is more significant than where you have been. But if you stay focused on the past, you will get stuck where you are. So maybe you're sitting here with thoughts of how life and people have been unfair to you. God is telling you to arise. Look up. Look forward by faith. Because God has a great future for you. Amen? Amen? Number three, number three. Time is going. Right? It's time to build on Christ. Right now, right now, right now, church. It's time to build, rebuild, reconstruct on Christ. We are all in the process of building things in life. Maybe for some of us, we are building family, we are building ministry, we are building spiritual life, business, career. But all of us are building at this point. But we need to remember one thing, that Christ is the only foundation on which we can build things. Because we cannot do anything without God. So the foundation that we build on is Christ. He is the firm foundation. He is the solid rock. Matthew 7, 24 to 25 says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. So take time, give priority to build your life on Christ. Get back to basics. Let Christ be the center. Let him be first place. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Return to the first works and return to the first love. That's what it means to build on Christ. But how do we do it? First thing, right? You build by building on the word. That is the word of God. You want to build a life on Christ? You're going to need to build on the word of God. Acts 20.32 says, Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up. Hear that? The word can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. The word of God is able to build you up. So that simply means have a daily devotional plan. Devotion is not spontaneous. It is devoted time. The word devotion comes from devote. To devote means to give specific plan, prepared time to something. You can't buck up in devotion. You can't feel like you want to have devotion. You have to plan to have devoted time before God. And that is why devoted time is like this. Like I, I, you, you know when you're showing you're devoted to shower, you don't show and cook at the same time. That's crazy. It means in a devoted time to shower, you're not cooking. Well, maybe some of you leave the pot on the fire. That's why your rice always burn up. But you understand what I mean? <laughs> yeah. When it comes on to your devoted time, there's no multitasking. Can you imagine I take somebody out on a date? Well, when my wife comes back on Tuesday, we're going to go out on a date. And she has been away for a few weeks now. 
Now, next thing I say, somebody and I get in problem. So when my wife comes back, we go. go. <laughs> right. so, so here we go. So, right, so we go out. After she has been away, I say, all right, let's go out. And I take her out. We go out, and um, I'm on my phone. That's not devoted time. That's not a date. So I was speaking to my mentor um, <laughs> yesterday. And um, um, so his wife celebrated her. Her, her birthday early in the year in April but they live in different cities in the states so they are going to be in the same city in July so there is this big um, event happening um, soccer game happening in Orlando and we are supposed to be, be there so I was saying to him listen it would be a very good thing to invite your wife to come along with you to the game and he says, Omar, you know the first thing she's going to say? Oh, what a wonderful gift you have given me to come and watch football with you. <laughs> In other words, he's saying that she ain't going to buy that because if you're doing something for her birthday, why would you take her to do something that you love doing? The point is, devotion is devoted time. It has to be devoted to God. Do not live a single day without feeding on God's word. You need, you need the scripture every day. You may not understand all the Bible, but read it if you don't understand it. Listen, you may not be able to pronounce all the names, just give it the pronunciation you know. It better you mispronounce the words that don't, than, than don't read the word. So read it every day. Amen? So make reading the Bible a regular habit of your family and your personal life. Secondly, how do you build, build, build your life on Christ? By building your prior life. Not only build on the word of God, but build your prior life. You must be praying. In the same way you have devotion, we must devote ourselves to prayer. We must be watchful and thank, thankful. Colossians 4.2 says, devote yourself to prayer. Being watchful and thankful. You have to pray. Why? Because prayer is building spiritual intimacy with God. If you're not praying, you're not building intimacy with God. It is what the Psalm 91 says. It says, he who dwells in a secret place shall abide under the shadows of the Almighty. Because prayer is dwelling in the shadow of the Almighty. You need to be praying. And I'm not talking about praying in your mind. You need to open your mouth and pray. And have specific prayer time. You know why we give you a prayer calendar? It's not because we don't have nothing else to do. So we won't give you a fancy calendar. No. We're doing that because we want you to develop a habit of praying every single day. That is why we have prayer meetings. That is why we have midday prayer. Because you want to build intimacy with God. And that is built by spending time praying. Devoted time. You see, our prayer life is our altar. In the Old Testament, the altar is a raised place. Usually used for worship or sacrifice for the Lord. Your prayer life is that raised place. It's a place where you worship God. It's a place where you live as a living sacrifice to Him. We see, for example, in the Bible that God... Blessed Abraham as he promised. But before Abraham could, could receive the blessing, he did something. He built an altar for the Lord. Meaning he had this place set up where he spoke to God. Built intimacy with God. And where he lived as a sacrifice before God. Daily. 
God said in Leviticus 6.13, the fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. So that is speaking about prior. That prior must continue. Prior must be continuous. Prior must not stop. So that's why in the New Testament we say prayer without what? It's not New Testament teaching. It's from the Old Testament. It's right here they got it from. They used to burn incense. In the, and that was prior going up. What that means? So let our prayer life not cease. Let's build personal prayer time. Build family prayer time. And not neglect Sunday worship. Let's give importance to prayer. Amen? How do you build? By building our relationship. You need to build these relationships. So take time to build your relationship with your family, with your friends, and your church. I said it this morning, I say it again. If you're going to a church, any church, and you have no friends at the church, you are at the wrong church. If you have nobody at the church get along, you are the problem. You, you need a church where the people can talk. If, if you and nobody not have no relationship, that's unhealthy for you. If everybody else get along except you, I'm just thinking, you're, you're not special. You're exceptional. So when you come to church, you have to have relationship. God's law is vertical and horizontal. Love people, love God. You have to have relationship with people. So if, if, if you have the devil telling you who, me does a come to church and go, me are coming and nothing with people, me can't bother with the mix-up. You are mixed-up already. You, 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 you mix up and you need straightening out by the spirit of God to get a right mindset. That's a mixed up mind. Because Jesus came from a perfect place called heaven. And he had friends. You come from a sinful place called earth. And you won't get to the perfect place called heaven without friends. Let, let, me, let me say it again, right? So Jesus coming from the perfect place. Coming to, the per- to hell on earth. Found friends. You live in hell on earth. You won't get to the perfect place. But you don't want to be friends with none of the people. You have to build your family relationship. And what that means is that you have to forgive people who hurt you. Yes, I know some people say some things and do some things. But forgive them and move on. Be patient with people. Be tolerant with people. And build relationship. People are not perfect. And you are not. You you are going to hurt people. And people are going to hurt you. And hurt people hurt people. And we're all hurt people. And if you didn't know, let me tell you. The church is the AKA the hospital. And only sick people come here to be treated by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. By Dr. Jesus. All of us and the angels are nurses. But Jesus is the chief medical officer. <laughs> Amen? So, make every effort to live in peace with everyone. Right? Um, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That means taking time to listen to people. 
It means to be ref- respectful to people and do not cut off people. So take time to build relationship and let love cover all scars. Build yourself in Christ. And remember this. Whatever we try to build, it is the Lord that lets it grow. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches the city, the guards stand watching in vain. So let, her, let us build our life on the Lord and he will prosper us. I want to close by going back to Nehemiah. We saw in chapter 2 that they started to arise and build. But the time, by the time we, we come to chapter 4, stiff opposition arises and the work of the wall was totally stopped. The people said, we cannot build a wall. Their strengths had gone out. They felt the enemy were more powerful than them. What Nehemiah did is repositioned the people and he continued to build. The enemy was confused. Believe it or not, in a record 52 days, the work of the wall was completed. I know you're probably here saying, Pastor, I have been doing all what you said, but no, I'm getting but I'm not getting any breakthrough. You send by a pastor, yes, pastor, but I am reading my Bible, I talk to people, I have friends, I pray, I give, but, but things now work out. Everybody, I just I get blessed. I mean, I get no blessing. You understand me? Everybody, I go out firing. Me, the over here, so I see him with a pastor. You understand me? Me, me go, more time you go up every visa. Me come church. Me, me, I'll, I'll before me go up there the Monday. Sunday, me come church. I'm pray, pray, pray. Me pray, pastor. Me give me offering. Me give me tithe. And watch all them the people there. Better tell them never did serve God. Because look upon them, Pastor, them, them get the job. And me a Christian. Me a Christian. So me supposed to get the job. Yes, yes, me know some have no subject. And them have them degree. But me forget the job, come me a Christian, Pastor. <laughs> That's how some people are. Because I'm I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord, but but I don't know. Right? Let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me let me help you, alright? Sometimes, when you're doing everything you're supposed to do, and things are not working out, all you need to do is know that it is time to reposition yourself. Come on, tell the person beside you, reposition yourself. It's time to change your position. And many of you, you have been building your family life, ministry for a long time, or ministry for a long time. And all you want, all you are seeing is opposition. And God is telling you, you need to reposition yourself. Arise and build. Reposition yourself. When the Israelites repositioned themselves, remember they were building the wall. What was happening? Opposition came and everything came to a halt. Nehemiah encouraged the people to start building. Why? They were, when, they, when, they, when, when they repositioned themselves, they were building the same wall, but their position changed. Their work changed. Their strategy t- changed. And the enemy was confused. And the people became successful. So how do we reposition ourselves? By re positioning our priorities by setting our priorities right you have to set your priorities right the people had to go back to basics 
they had to go back to God first, family second, third church, and others. You don't even see work yet, you know. What we have done in the pandemic is that work has become more important. Money has become... In other words, God is saying, I want you to get these people. Oh my God. If, if you don't get anything else. The problem is that when opposition came, when the pandemic came, we, we repositioned or we rearranged our priorities list. Many of us put God in third place or probably in second place and, and work become more important. Our families were put on the back burner because no work came home. And many of us didn't have time for our families because we, we felt like we were in the same space, so we must be getting closer. Do you know that Eli and Samuel were in the same place and only one heard the voice of the Lord? So being in the same place don't mean that you're getting closer to each other. And what needs to happen is that we need to get things right. God must be first. Second is family. Church and then others. I don't even remember this, but after the great crucifixion of Jesus, Peter went back to fishing. Can you imagine? Three years. Three years he had a relationship with Jesus. Minimum. And three days he went back to where he was when he just met Jesus. Many people today, because of the pandemic, the relationship that we have built with God, for 10 years, in 2 years going into 3 years, has caused them to revert to where they were before they met Jesus. Just like Peter, he went back to fishing. 3 years he had been following Jesus, doing things with Jesus, ministering with Jesus, but he failed to understand the mission of Jesus. That is why he cut the servant's ear when Jesus was arrested. Peter felt, all I tried to do, all I tried to build was wasted. Jesus is no more. He is dead. When everything he felt was a failure, he went back to fishing. He went back to his default. He went back to his girlfriend. He went back to his boyfriend. He went back to buying lotto. He went back to drinking. He went back to the party life. He went back to the thing that he was doing before he met Jesus. Because the pandemic came and he felt like the mission has been messed up. That is what he was familiar with. And that is what we all do when, there, when our plans fail. When all we do count to nothing. We go back to what we are familiar with. And here comes Jesus early in the morning. Walking on the shore. He comes in his resurrected form. And they are having trouble recognizing Jesus. Listen, when I read this for the first time, I said, this is the first time in my life I'm seeing this. You walk with somebody for three years. And after three days, you couldn't even recognize him. They had gone back so far. That it's like they have lost their minds. That they couldn't even recognize that three days before he was telling them that he's going to be resurrected. And he's there. And they don't recognize. They don't believe it. In fact, Jesus called out to them. And he didn't tear them down. And that's what he's doing. He's calling out to you. And here's what he said to them. Friends. And that's what he's calling you this morning. He says, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Say with me, fish was in the sea. 
The boat was in the sea too, you know. Right? The net was in the sea. The disciples were in the sea. And fish was in there. And they were working and had no fish. So Jesus said, have you not caught anything yet? You are in the right boat. You are in the right waters. This is the right time. You have the right promise. Right stage of your life. The only thing that is stopping you from being successful in your life is that you are in the wrong position. In other words, wrong priorities. So it says, cast your net on the other side. Do not move the boat. Do not change anything. Just shift your position. And when Peter took his net in the same boat, same water, same day, same time, and put it in a repositioned place, all of a sudden, he found a multitude of fish. Set your priorities right. Because when you seek first the kingdom of God, fish will be added afterwards. Listen. The fish didn't come from heaven. Like, oh gosh, I hope you get the revelation. Until you recognize Jesus, you're not going to get what is rightfully yours. You see, it is your recognition of Jesus when he called them friend that caused them now to put the net in the right place. When Jesus is first, everything else falls into place. All night they were working until morning and nothing. Listen, isn't that like you? You see, all that you're doing, it counts on nothing until Jesus steps in your life. Nothing. So I do not know who I'm talking to today, but this is your season. And the Lord is going to give you success in this season. This is your season of breakthrough. So I want you to rise up by faith and throw your net on the other direction or in the other direction. Arise and build and reposition yourself and you will see success. Yes, I believe you're going to receive it this year. Press down, shaking together, running over. So arise and build. Reposition yourself because your best is yet to come. Come on, tell your neighbor, say your best is yet to come. So I pray for a, a multitude of blessing, a multitude of victory, a multitude of joy. This is your time. This is your moment. This is your season. This is your season. So arise and build. Reposition yourself and receive the promises of God. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, I want to pray for you this morning. Listen, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I know I need to reposition myself. I've been talking, I've been working. I, I've, I've done some stuff, but, but I know it's, it's just not happening. Maybe you feel like you're in the rubble. And the walls need to be rebuilt. God is saying, it's time to rebuild. It's time to reposition. So we can experience the full blessing of the Lord. It's time to return to Him. And rebuild the broken down places. God wants to take the rubble. And turn it into a beautifully reconstructed wall. Where borders are again reestablished. Where the enemy has no foothold in. 
That's what God is doing. He said it's time to get back to the call. Maybe you're like Jonah. Maybe you're headed, you're in the wrong boat, going in the wrong direction. And a storm has hit you. And God is saying it's time to get back to the call. It's time to get back to what I purposed you to do. It's time to get back to what I've positioned you to do. He said that you have to do this by faith. You have been living by sight. You have been operating in, in that lot spirit where you, you're looking for the beautiful. And God is saying that even in the rubble I am still God. Even when it looks like garbage, I'm still God because I can turn everything around. They need to get back to the times when you used to have your devoted time. Your prior time. When God was first. Not work, but God. If that's you this morning, I want you to just jump to your feet quickly. I want to pray for you. This is your season. And as God repositions you, He's going to get beauty for ashes. Come on, as you stand to your feet and wait to lift your hands. Maybe you're like Jonah, you need to just repent. You need to say, Lord, you know what? I mean, I need to repent, Lord. Because there are some things that have been hindering me. There are some sin that easily entangles me. God, I'm throwing, I'm throwing, I'm throwing everything that, that hinders me away. God, I'm repenting of everything that easily entangles me. For I am ready for whatever you call me to do. I know this is for you. I know that you're probably struggling with the decision and it's very tough for you, but I'm telling you, walk by faith, walk by faith, walk by faith. God has kept you this far. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Come on with your hands lifted this morning. We bless you Jesus. Hallelujah. Spirit of the living God, I pray for every person standing in obedience to the call of the Spirit this morning. With hands lifted in surrender to you. We readily respond to the call of God in our lives. We know that the higher the calling is, the greater the opposition. But if you are for us, then who can be against us? We'll trust you in the storm. and We'll trust you in the tough times. No Sanballat, no Tobiah, none of these can stop us from fulfilling the purpose of God. And from you fulfilling your promise over our lives. We choose to walk by faith and not by sight trust in you with all our hearts and lean not on our own understanding God we, we, we begin to look through the windshield no more will we fix our eyes on the rear view mirror but we look through the windshield we are leaving the things behind and press 
passing on to the higher calling in you almighty God we reposition ourselves by repositioning our priorities we put things in their proper place we place you in the highest place we, God we say you are number one you are first above all before all everything is secondary in comparison to you God we pray for those who may be in the Jonah situation right now we pray in the name of Jesus that they will come to repentance and you will reestablish your call on their lives we pray for those who are like disciples toiling and working but not seeing the fruit of their labor we pray that they would recognize you as you enter their lives and readily cast the net of life on the other side we thank you for this is a new season listen I challenge you I don't know who you are but it's very specific it's to you and you know that God is speaking to you and for some of you it's decisions that you know already but God is just confirming it this morning some of you is is to get involved in church for some of you you know there are persons who need to exit your life for some of you is to get rid of the things that hinder for some of you is to leave those sins that easily entangles but but God is speaking to you right now right now I pray in the name of Jesus for complete obedience and compliance to every purpose of God it's like I believe like this is it this is it for you you either obey now the walls will stay in ruins that's what I hear the Lord saying he's saying just obey right now just obey just do it just just try him in this just test God in this he's for you he will never leave you nor forsake you the spirit of the living God we give you glory and we give you honor we give you praise since if you're here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior right where you are just, just bring me down a little bit right where you are this morning if you would just open your mouth and just, just repeat this very simple prayer just say heavenly father I am a sinner needing forgiveness I'm a sinner needing a savior I can't save myself I can't f- 
free myself from sin. But Lord Jesus Christ, you can. Save me this morning. And cleanse me of all my sins. I repent and seek your forgiveness. Come into my heart and be my Lord and my Savior. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I surrender my life to you. God, work it out for me because I don't know how. I believe in your son, Jesus the Christ. I believe that he died for my sins. believe that he was buried. I believe that he is now resurrected and seated at your right hand. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, somebody just clap their hands for Jesus this morning. Come on, he deserves a bigger hand clap than that. He's a mighty God. Listen, trust God to reposition you. Do what God tells you to do. And if you do that, there's a major turnaround coming in your life. I stand to witness the prophetic word of God fulfilled over your life. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll see you on Tuesday at House of Prior and on Wednesday at Bible Study. Greet someone before you go in Jesus' name.